Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Angie, Estimate Rocket, and Paint Supply. What happened? Well, Steve, I was laying in a bed, a makeshift bed. It was a two, two by four frame blow up mattress in a house in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, no sheetrock anywhere, black plastic for, for walls. And uh, I'm laying there in the middle of the night, eyes open, can't sleep because I don't have the cash to pay my paint bill from months earlier. I didn't oh my, know what I was going to do. My goodness. Okay. Well, man, I can't wait to hear more about that. But first, hello and welcome to the DYB podcast. Today's guest is from the greater Dallas area, president of Phillips Home Improvements, Jason Phillips. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here with you guys today. Well, uh, man, that was an interesting uh, opening. I, I thought we were going to go into, you know, some hurricane relief, but no, it was, uh, it was, we needed some business relief, but take us all the way back to the very beginning, maybe even before that of, you know, how did you get into this business? How'd you get started in the first place? I was working in the industry for uh, another company for some friends of mine. It was, it was being sold and the guy who was buying it wasn't running it well, wasn't paying the, wasn't paying what he agreed and uh, he was basically running it in the ground. And my, my, uh, my friends who originally hired me and started the company came to me and just said, Jason, man, we think he's running this business in the ground. And uh, we, we care about you. You've been faithful. And we just think, you know, want to give you our blessing if you want to go out and start your own company. And at that time, I was like six weeks behind on pay. I was completely broke. I was already looking around for another job and uh, had a job lined up to get in the computer business with a, with a brother. And I just threw, threw, honestly, Steve, with transparently was through some prayer. I saw a lot of injustices in the industry and through prayer and counsel, I just, I realized that I had an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of people uh, in my little part of the world, whether those people were homeowners or contractors uh, or, you know, or painters at the time or employees like me that were doing, you know, sales and marketing. And so I, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I went out one sunny Saturday in March of uh, 1997, knocked on 300 doors in one day, made four appointments, uh, came and uh, sold three of them that night. And Monday sold, sold the last one and boom, I was in business. I knew how to sell, I knew how to market, didn't really know much about business, but boy, was I in business and I had food on the table Friday for my family. Wow. <laughs> so 300 doors in one day. Um, I've knocked on some doors. That's, that's a lot of doors. It was a long yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I had I I had a, I had a I had a, a plan for a good year, and it was the uh, Goodyear tread on the bottom of my shoes taking me through the neighborhood. <laughs> That's great, I love it. Now, uh, back when I was uh, knocking on doors, I knocked on doors when I started over in Florida. I was listening to Zig Ziglar. He talked me into going from door to door to door to door. Did you have anybody in your ears that was encouraging oh, along Zig, the way? <clears throat> Zig Ziglar, the secret yeah. secrets of closing the sale. Can't tell oh, you yeah. how many times I listened to that book. Mm-hmm. 
And Brian, uh, along with Brian Tracy's uh, Psychology of Selling. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> a couple of my favorites. In fact, they're probably behind me here. Um, so, so you get going, you sell a couple jobs, you launch, get going. And then what does it look like from there? How do you continue to generate business? How do you hire? Did you, did you bring on some employees? Did you bring on some subs? What do the next three months look like? Well, all of the real work, as I like to say, was done by subs. I'd lined up a subcontractor crew uh, to, do, to do the painting. And I, I became fanatical about uh, a couple things. One was being present and known in the neighborhood with yard signs, flyers constantly. If I was doing a house on a corner, we had a sign in the front, a sign on the side, and a sign in the back. I'd write that into the agreement for two weeks and I'd be driving by that house every day. And if the landscapers took it down or the competitors took it, boy, I had extra ones in the back of my truck going in right there. And so uh, that's basically the way I ran the business um, for the first, you know, for, for the first, uh, you know, 18 months or so. And then it just, it began to grow and I started, started feeling pressure. So I, I did start hiring some additional, some additional people at that point. Mm-hmm. So and, p- pardon me here. Let me jump in. Now at this, this was, you said 97. Yes. Okay. Were you, were you married? Did you have children? Oh, yes. At the, at the time, uh, my wife and I, we had our first child at that point. Okay. So that's, that's important. It's a big deal, you know, versus being a you know, young single bachelor out there just like going after it. But no. I, you, I couldn't fail. I had no right. option but to, but to swim. It was sink or swim and Jason was going to swim. Okay. I can relate. That's, uh, that's it. So, because you often wonder, where does the drive come from? Where, you know, uh, that burning desire to just get after it. And sometimes guys have it too easy. You know, their wives have a cushy job and they're like, oh, you know, business isn't really taking off. Well, are you getting after it? Do you, how bad do you need it? Right. But you needed it. Absolutely. And I, I see what you're, I, I, I see all the time, uh, you know, guys that, that their wives do have a cushy job and they don't have that motivation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, hurrah, great for the wives for doing that. But the, but the guys, I just want to kick them in the behind and say, man, what, what's wrong with you? Yeah, uh, guys, we need to man up. We're the ones that 100%. Providing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we go. We got a wife, uh, new baby, uh, child, and then, uh, you know, a few months out. I'm sorry, I, I had interrupted you at that point. No, no, I'm good. Yeah, just we, we, uh, uh, we, we just continued to market, expand our marketing channels and our geography and just it, it began to build and build and build and you know before before you know it things were things were doing well make, making money the business was growing I I I, uh, I knew how we wanted to produce every job and we were doing that uh, but but slowly what what happened Steve as is my business began to outgrow my leadership and my skill set. Hmm. And, uh, I found myself, uh, I found myself in, in a place that I, I call contractor prison where I, you know, the, the wife had it, the wife had a new SUV. Okay. And, and the kids had nice shoes, all that stuff. But Jason was, uh, in a dungeon. I was hmm. a slave to my business. I was the the linchpin on everything in my business. I could not get away from, uh, at that time, uh, I think it was my beeper, my pager. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I remember those. And, <laughs> and so yeah, the, the, if you're ancient, you might remember those. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and so, uh, man, I'm, 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 I'm sitting there working in my home office after midnight one night 
And at this point, we had two children and a third one on the way. And it's late at night and I'm, I'm, I'm working. I don't know. I'm doing something on, on the computer and I've got the radio playing. The house is dark, by the way. The house is dark. Everybody's asleep. And, and this song comes on, The Cat's in the Cradle. And the, if you, if, for those who don't know the song, it tells a story of, a, of, a, of a, a son and a father. And the son wants to spend all the time with the father and the father's always too busy. He's always got responsibilities and things to do. And, and then eventually when the, when the father's retired, the, uh, he's wanting to spend time with his son. But unfortunately, his son turned out just like him. And he doesn't have time for his father. And this song at that moment ripped my heart out and tears started streaming down my face. And, and I was filled with, 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 and for a moment of despair, but then it quickly turned into righteous indignation. I slammed my fist on the desk and I raised my hands. And I said, God, I need your help. I, I can't do this anymore. And I had three options, Steve. One was to, one was to quit. If I quit, who, who pays the price? my wife and kids. The other option was to, was to just pull back, shrink back, do less, provide less, and honestly feel like less of a man. And that, that's not me. That wasn't my, and my third option was to, was to build a team. And so it was obvious what the third option was, right? And so I, 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 chose, I chose to build a team. And, uh, and that's when, when things really started, started to change. And I began to build my team, you know, put in uh, uh, managers and such, and things really, really began uh, to take off. And so then I was, you know, I was, I was getting out of contractor prison, as I, as I say, and starting to experience more freedom. And uh, you'll curious story, you know, 20 years later, after that moment, I'm walking my oldest daughter down the aisle to be married. And the, I don't know, the 20 steps from the back of the chapel to the front, whether it take us 30 seconds or maybe less than that, I don't know, to walk forward. Our entire life, Steve, together flashed in front of my face from, from, uh, from the time she was born. And, and I guess I, I, I should probably say this. When I was in contractor prison, my, my business was getting the best of me and my family was getting my cold leftovers. Kind of like the dinners that I had late at night where my, from the microwave where my wife had put my plate inside the microwave and put, covered it up with a paper towel because I was out working late and she was going to bed. So I was getting cold leftovers for dinner, but what's worse than that is my family was getting my cold leftovers. And that's what I asked contractors. Are you, is your family getting your leftovers? And, you know, that was a tremendous motivation for me. So 20 years later, I'm walking around the aisle and all of these moments about teaching her how to walk, how to ride a bike, how to swim, how to drive a car, all of these moments flashed before my eyes. And I'm literally walking her down the aisle, again, tears streaming down my face. And, and, and I, I realized a little later, had I not made that decision 20 years sooner, I wouldn't have been there for those moments with her and I would have missed all of that. The very best things in life, I would have missed out had I continued to, 
to operate my life and my business. And it wasn't my business's fault. It wasn't the painting industry's fault, Steve. It was my fault. I was, I was letting this happen. And, I, and I, I'm thankful to God that I had that moment and that he met me there in that moment and answered my prayer and turned everything around. Amen. Amen. I hope everybody heard that. That's powerful. You shared that you had come to your current leadership skill ceiling, in my words. I forget how you put it exactly, but you come to the extent of your leadership ability skills at the time, right? What was something you did or learned to help you to grow through that? Okay, there's... um I will forever be a student of leadership, business, and people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot, if you're a, if you're a hard driving, fast paced guy like me, it's easy to, it's easy to have this bravado of, I don't need anybody. I can do it. I'm smart. I can figure this out. Okay. And, and we, we isolate ourselves. And I found myself, you know, what I say is, uh, a victim of the Flintstone syndrome where I'm constantly carving a new wheel out of bedrock. Hmm. And, uh, I, I, I realized at some point I'm like, that's so stupid. You know, I, I, I thought I was smart, but I look back on that old self and I said, I was, I was acting stupid. Mm -hmm. And so it really, it just, it, it starts with, I need to grow. I'm the lid on my business. And, and if, if I don't grow, my business is not going to grow and my, and my life is not going to get better. And so, um, you know, at, at the time I've, I've gone through, I'm going to say I've hit, I've been doing this a good moment. Okay. You know, like 26 years and I've, I've hit various ceilings in my leadership, in my business skills and, 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 and more than anything, even in my mindset. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what I, I just, I became a voracious reader. Now, all through high school, I didn't read a single book. I read so what in, in those common. days, what was called the Cliffs Notes. <laughs> yeah. And somehow Jason graduated in the top 10% of the largest high school in Texas hmm. because I was a good test taker. I was smart. Okay. But, I, but here's the thing. My weakness was reading. Not that I, not that I couldn't read. I mean, I, I, I was great with, I was great with punctuation. I was great with spelling and grammar and all that, but just reading my, I would get distracted and I would read a whole page and I'm like, what did I just read? And, and I've, I've found that, man, I'm not the only one like that. Tons of people experience that and they don't read. And so I'm going to tell you what changed, what changed my life, Steve was, was I, um, uh, later in, this was, this was like 2013, something like that. Uh, I had three daughters all in competitive cheerleading hmm. on three different teams. And you go to these cheer events during cheer season and you're at the convention center. You know, you're not at some little gym. You're at the convention center where there's 10,000 cheerleaders and, you know, all these different venues and schedules and, and, you, and your child's team is, is performing for 90 seconds or sorry, two minutes and 30 seconds. And there's these back-to-back, loud, annoying cheer music all day long. And there's all of these teams and, and I'm sitting there with my wife and my wife's taking notes and all that. And I'm bored out of my mind waiting for my kids to go on. Or, and, 
And so we had to be there early in the morning and be there late at night because this team's at 6 a.m., this team's at you know 7 p.m. and award ceremonies at 9 p.m. or whenever they get done. So we're stuck there all day. Mm-hmm. So I brought my iPad with, with a, a Kindle book and I brought my Bose QuietComfort headphones and I put on my headphones and I played the Audible and I read the Kindle. And now all of a sudden I had both. I had my eyes and my ears and that kept my attention. And I began to chew through a book every weekend or more. Hmm. And, and it really, I mean, and, and I, I had actually prayed, uh, you know, a few months, uh, a few months before that, I knew that I was lit on my company yet again. And I, and I prayed a prayer. I said, God, I'm asking for upgrades. Will you upgrade my ability and help me become a reader so I can learn things that I need to learn? And it was literally just a few weeks after that, that this happened. And it changed my life. And, and I would bet for, for, your, for your listeners here, there's probably a number of them that are in the same boat I was in. And, and I bet if you listen, try listening and reading at the same time, it, it could possibly change your life as it changed mine. That's so awesome. We, we have so much in common. Uh, just as a testimony, I uh, didn't read in school. In fact, I didn't finish school, but I was at my wit's end and um, bankrupt single father. And I remember the story of King Solomon. And so I just thought, what do I have to lose? So I started praying for wisdom. And it wasn't that great of a prayer. I was just reaching out and praying for wisdom because I was at my wit's end. While I'm still waiting for that wisdom to come, what did come was an insatiable desire to read. I'd never had that before. And since then, like you said, I've just been pounding through bucks. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. You know, you know, and when, that, you, when you go, when you get a good book, at least me, when I get a great book, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, wait, I need to stop at this chapter and I need to go implement what I just learned. Mm-hmm. I can't read a page more and I've got to do something with what I learned. Yeah. And I did that constantly. So I might, I, I would read a, you know, a book on business and I might read one on leadership. So I'd, I'd change, I'd keep reading, but I'd read something else because that other topic, I had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a good point right there. You don't just read. I think, uh, guys, it's easy to get trapped, uh, to listen to audible while you're driving around and you're like, Ooh, that's a good idea. And then you just keep listening. You're like, Ooh, there's another good idea. And you get those dopamine hits, but no, anytime you get one of those, you gotta stop, grab, pause, write it down. And what's the action that you can take on it immediately? Massive action, right? 100%. I, and I, mm-hmm. I always highlight, okay, I don't read paper books. I know a lot of people love paper books and, and, you know, studies show retention is better with a, with a paper book. But me personally, I do better with the uh, digital because I can, I can run my highlights and I have a whole yeah. system where those highlights filter into my note taking and, and I'm revi- reminded of the things I've highlighted. So I keep, mm-hmm. I, in, in a way, I keep rereading books because the highlights keep coming back to me automatically. And uh, I really, I don't, I don't want to just read. I don't want to say, oh, I read 50 books this year. Mm-hmm. It really is, am, am I going to learn and grow because of this and make changes in my life and in my business? Mm-hmm. Right on. So this is usually a difficult question on the spot. What are some books that come to mind that you recommend most often? Okay, so I, there's a... A plethora, a plethora of books. Of course, my favorite book that I read every single day is the Bible. I read one version. Then when I'm done with that one, I read the next version and I just, I just keep going and reading, reading, reading. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, there's books on leadership, like John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of, of Leadership. There's the five levels of leadership. There's um, a book that I love is Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. Mm-hmm. Uh, was another book that made a huge difference for me personally that rolled into every area of my life was Atomic Habits. Mm. Man, Atomic Habits, um, Crucial Conversations. And there's, you know, so, so many uh, business, and this is really crucial conversations isn't, isn't necessarily about business, but uh, we're not good at holding conversations when the stakes are high. And, and it, it gives you tools for talking. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's a book that, my, uh, that I actually read. I've read like three or four times and I've, I've studied it with my leadership team. And most of them have, have read it twice. And it really, really helps have what they call crucial conversations. And, you know, when, when, when expectations are violated and there's a, there's a, 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 a subsequent book in that uh, it's called crucial accountability hmm. and it's just a wonderful book. And if you find yourself, if, any, if anybody out listening here finds himself not knowing how to have these conversations, I would go read that book and it's going to give you some tools for talking. I promise it'll make mm-hmm. a difference in your life. And, uh, you know, another practical book, a lot of people have read Traction. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have read Traction, the EOS by Gina Wickman. Uh, But very few people that I meet have read uh, one of the companion books called How to Be a Great Boss. It actually gives you the practical tools on how to to be a great boss and conduct meetings with your people. It's a fantastic book. It's so simple. It's not rocket science. But you just write, you know, the the best things are, are simple. Just start using that plan. You don't have to invent it yourself. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Now, you had started off with the painting company, but you have since branched. Uh, do you mind sharing the size of your operation and then what all services you provide today? So, um, this year, we're uh, before the end of the year. We're gonna we're gonna close we're gonna close in uh, probably tipping just over twelve million dollars. And uh, initially, you know, we started out doing interior and exterior painting, and uh, I got I kept having exterior paint jobs that I couldn't close the deal on mm-hmm. because the homeowner needed gutter work. Mm. So I, you know, I collected some phone numbers and started referring out gutter companies. Well, well then, well, the homeowner's busy. Now they've got, now they've got to make a call to another contractor and who knows when that contractor is going to come. And then, you know, then they've got to make a decision and then they've got to get that scheduled. And then, you know, it's months and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is nuts. I got sick of that. So I, I just, I started calling people that sold uh, gutter, uh, gutter machines and, and aluminum. Mm-hmm. And I finally got a hold of a guy at a local supplier. And he's like, man, I grew up in this industry. And he said, if you'll buy your machine from me and make an account, I'll come out and teach you guys how to do gutters the right way. So, okay. So I bought, bought, a, bought a big old box van, bought, it, bought the gutter machine from him, hired, a, hired a, a, a champion, a manager for that department and hired two laborers. And they came in and we, we learned gutters. And on uh, the very first house, the guinea pig was my house. It needed gutters. So uh, started right there. And so now all of a sudden we start going, I start going out on me and my team going out on painting quotes. And at this time there was a lot of galvanized gutters that were rusting through and we could solve this problem. Hey, we're looking up. Oh, well, there's some rust. Oh gosh. It looks like the fascia boards rotten behind there. Don't worry. We can handle this for you. 
We'll make it easy. And so it's the same sales process, same customer, but we started selling these combo jobs and uh, which was, which was pretty awesome because at the time, nobody else in town was offering that service. Hmm. They, they were all uh, just, all we do is paint. We can paint and we can putty, but we don't do real carpentry repairs and we don't do gutters. Hmm. And so that just, that was a, a great moment for us because we were able to capitalize on something that was a need in the market. And it was, it was a, it was an easy add on. And, and it's in so many ways, gutters is so much simpler than painting. It's like, you know, you get a card with like, you know, 18 to 24 colors on it. What color do you want? There is no color match. <laughs> there is no color match. So we actually, we actually had, uh, uh, our vendors match their paint colors to every one of those aluminum colors. And so, oh, would you just pick your gutter color? Then we're just going to order the paint color to match. So we'd pull the gutters mm. down, replace, replace any rotten wood on the fascia and uh, paint the house then put up matching gutters. And so that's how we, that's how we got into the uh, uh, gutter business. And it was great. And it helped the painting business. Well, not too long after, we live in a state where there's, there's a lot of hail. And that hail comes and it pounds roofs, pounds stained fences and siding as well. And, um, I'm like, man, I asked customers, customers were saying, Jason, if you guys, I wish there was a Phillips plumbing and a Phillips roofing, you know, we had all these people love dealing with us at the time. So, uh, I hired a guy to come sell painting and gutters for me that had experience in the roofing industry. And with, with the idea that as soon as we saw an opportunity, we were going to start providing roofing. So on the back, uh, he was he was putting the crews together and opening accounts with vendors and such before there was really any hail. Well, boom! Then hail hits, and we're in the roofing business. So now we're not just doing their their roof; we're doing the roof, their paint, and their gutters. And so that's that's what we do today. Those are our primary uh, our primary offerings. Fantastic. Do you have any plans to expand into uh, additional services? No. No, we, we do not plan on offering any additional services in the near future. We plan on maximizing. We've got so much opportunity uh, mm -hmm. here in Dallas-Fort Worth and even across Texas. We've got so much opportunity. We just need to continue to get better in, at, at what we're currently offering and, and yeah. bigger market okay. share. Yeah, because as the hail comes in, that's nice ecosystem, right? The hail, you know, it needs paint, needs a roof, and the gutters are going to need replaced as well. So that makes sense. What are your uh, current hiring strategies for finding, I heard you say, champions? And, uh, you know, we refer to them as all-stars. What's, what's been key for you and your companies? Well, the first thing, and I wish I would have learned this a lot sooner in life, Steve, is, is um, that peop one, people are different. And I need different people in different positions that aren't like me. And we tend to hire people like ourselves. Therefore, our businesses have the same strengths and weaknesses as we do if we hire people just like us. And it, it's hard to get along a lot of times with someone that doesn't work as fast as you or works faster than you or isn't as detailed or they're risk averse or they love risk, all of these different things. And a well-rounded team, you need every player. Like on a football field, you, you don't want everybody being the kicker, but boy, you do need a kicker. Kickers win games. You need every single position. And the same thing as you build your company, you, you, you're going to have to move from uh, being a generalist to developing roles that are specialists. 
And it's, it's one piece at a time when it's a small company. And the bigger your company gets, the more specialization you can have. And, and the more specialization you have, the better job, the, the, the higher they can develop their skills. So uh, one, we, we want to um, know exactly what we, the personality profile that we need for a role. Learning about behaviors and people. Here's the thing. People are different, but here's the beauty. People are predictably different. And that's where uh, DISC personality styles uh, come in. And I've taken every assessment out there. And I'm not saying, I'm not here to say other assessments are bad. What I am saying is I adopted DISC in my business because one, it's, it's, uh, it's not just about me. It's about my interaction with others as well and understanding others and how we can better relate as a team. And so that's one of the advantages. Another advantage is it's also... Uh, I, I don't be the, need to be the only one that understands this. I need everybody on my team to have a basic understanding of personality styles and how to communicate properly with one another so that we can all work together better as a team. And honestly, it helped my parenting. It helped my marriage. It helps every interaction in my life. And so that, that was transformational. So we always consider uh, what, what personality style we need in a particular in a particular role. And when I first learned about this about 10 years ago, I realized that I had um, bad roles designed. And uh, for instance, my salespeople were also project managers and all the work was done by subcontractors at this time. But someone who is a great salesperson is rarely a great project manager and vice versa. And so, uh, I mean, I had, at the time I had 18 sales and project managers and I had a, a an assessment, had each one of them do a self-assessment. And if you, if you've looked, if you've seen disc assessments before you get, you get a little bar chart or graph. And I just, without looking at the names, I started putting them in stacks that looked similar. And then I said, let me grab this stack right here. And I started reading the names on it. And I'm like, this stack right here is, is all the people that have a really high closing rate on their appointments, but they have terrible follow-up and they're not good at managing their projects and there's detail problems. And then I picked up this stack over here. Wow. Well, these people, all their jobs are in budget. They're scoped perfectly every time and their customers love them, but they have the lowest closing rate in the company. And it was a wake-up moment for me, Steve. At that moment, I said, we are dividing these roles. These people are going to be salespeople. These people are going to be project managers. And uh, I did that. And in one year, I implemented a sales methodology, split those roles, raised prices by 20% and raised closing rates by 20% all in one year. Well done. And it, was, it was kind of crazy, but um, you know, there's this, there's this uh, perception that well, if I raise my prices, I won't close any deals. And, and that's, that is flawed thinking. And that right there will keep you in contractor prison. And so uh, anyways, so when it comes to finding the right people, to answer your question is, I need to know who do I need in this role? What do they need to be good at? And what do they need to be attracted to? What do they need to be attracted to? My salespeople are attracted to winning. They have a high dominance factor. And there, I run into a lot of, of, lot of company owners 
that um, are running their company and they don't have a high dominance factor. There's nothing right or wrong about it. It just means that that you're going to probably need to hire someone that does to run your sales process so you can raise your prices because you're never going to scale your company and truly get freedom without raising your prices. And again, you may not want to raise your, you may not want to scale your company, but my bet is if, is if, if, if you're one of Steve's fans, okay, you probably want to achieve new levels of, of freedom and purpose in your life is my guess. And you've got to be able to raise your prices. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Right on. Thank you. So uh, back to those profiles. And for those with that, because we could spend a whole another hour like explaining this. So without going into a deep dive, uh, there are a lot of free resources out there where you can dive into this. And to Jason's point, I highly recommend you do. And like you said, Jason, it is my favorite as well of all of them that are out there. I think it's the most concise and uh, will give you the most leverage and least amount of time uh, using those four categories. What profiles did you find for the sales people? And then again, for the project managers. So uh, in my organization, um, someone that is, uh, would be considered a DI or an ID or a DC work well and succeed in my organization. And um, DIs have different strengths and weaknesses than DCs. And I, we know what those are and we know how to coach those and bring those, uh, bring those out. Um, and, you know, we definitely want someone that has a, a D well above what we call the energy line. And I, this made such a difference in my life, Steve. I'm working on my sixth certification in personalities right now because it, it just has made, I, I want to I bring this, I want to bring this to, to more people. And I'm a big fan because I feel like it can, it, it has been such a power tool for me. And then when other people start seeing it and realizing it, it's a power tool for them. We, you know, we, I've got four other leaders at my company that I'm, I'm uh, putting through the certifications as well. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to get certified in this, but, you know, this is something we're wanting, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're teaching and we just, we believe it's impactful beyond, even beyond business. So um, now project managers, let me tell you, for instance, uh, let me give you two examples uh, for project managers. Um, do you want your project managers to be uh, fast-paced or slow-paced? Do you want them to be detail-oriented or results-oriented? And I've got, I currently have both on my team and they both have strengths and weaknesses. And what we do is we pair them. Uh, we, we, we try to listen to the homeowner and try to pair up the best project manager with them. And uh, so for instance, again, if, if you guys that are listening, know your profile, I, the last thing I want to do is make anybody feel that you are um, insufficient. Okay. Every, every personality style is amazing. But the truth is every single one of us have, have uh, blind sides, weaknesses, and things we just hate to do. And if, and if we hate to do them, we have an aversion to them, we're going to get to those things last, if at all. And so you know, if, if you've got a mountain to conquer, 
and you need someone that's a that's a hard negotiator, maybe with your subcontractors, well, guess what? You you may need someone with a high D. But if you, you know, with someone with a high D and a and a, a low C, C stands for conscientiousness, someone with a low C is not going to get all the details right. They're not. And uh, if you want, you know, you want someone to really get the details right, then then you're going to you're going to want someone with a little little C in there. Uh, in their profile, um, you know, S people are are real warm, friendly people, but they're also slow paced, and they don't they don't like they don't necessarily like to deal with hard conversations. They're great and they're amazing. They're supportive and they are awesome in customer service departments. So you need to think about how do you run your company, and would you rather have someone like I've, I've got the I'm going to say project manager A over here. Okay, A project manager A. He has a high D and a high I. He's fast. He gets things done. And his jobs always come in budget. But every now and then, he rubs a customer the wrong way. Got project manager B over here. Um, he's a, he's a little, little slower paced. Sometimes struggles to meet budget. But all of his customers love him. And he gets a lot of five-star reviews. So we want five-star reviews, but we also want budget. So balancing those. And so we've, we actually have, have learned to uh, put them, uh, and both these guys have been on my team for a very long time. And, but we've learned to navigate and put them on the right project and pair them with the, uh, with, with the right homeowner. Fantastic. Culture. What do you do to cultivate culture in your company? Uh, a lot of contractors will focus on the hard skills, but if, you know we've been in this long enough to know that it's just soft skills. So uh, that's, that's, a, that's a, something I'm very passionate about, Steve, is culture. And I, I wish I would have realized this much earlier in my career, but, but here's a truth we need to face is, is that uh, culture is the invisible force that's either building your company or eroding your company. And culture is what's going to help your people, uh, help determine what your people do when your policy manual doesn't say something and when you're not around. And it's very important. Now, when I say culture, I don't just mean, hey, we're, you know, we're having sleeping pods and unlimited meals in the office and, you know, an unlimited time off. That's not what it's about. Okay. You do, it's, it, it is, you need a, a culture of accountability, a culture of performance, but it really is the unique personality of your of your of your company, and it's you know it needs to be driven by your by your vision, your mission, and your values. And so you know what? How is it acceptable to behave at the company? So the first thing that we did, um, this was part of my leadership growth. Okay, and back in the day, I thought you know I had this terrible vision, Steve. It was like, hey, well, let's go make a lot of money, man. There's huge opportunity here. Well, then guess what I got? I got a culture of a bunch of selfish people that only cared about money. And uh, what we need is we need a vision that, uh, in, that attracts the right people. And we need to be the right type of leader to attract the right type of people that we need. So it starts with, it, it really starts with growing as a leader and becoming the type of person that great people want to follow. It, it, that, that's part of it. And then when you're, when you're hiring, you're trying to uncover the values of, the, of your 
in people, your, your candidates. And of course you need your, you need your, you need your core values written down. Hey, this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is what's non-negotiable. This is what's going to get people promoted, written up, fired, hired, whatever. And like at ours, it's, it's faith, uh, people, teamwork, and the pursuit of excellence. And, and so Jennifer, as she's doing our hiring, she's, she's got a checklist of things, cues that she's listening for to see if they really match um, to meet our company. So there's three things that we need. We need people that can do the job. We need that. That's just their, our, their ability. We need people that will do the job, which is more about motivations, things they're drawn to, things they're repelled by. So can they, will they? And that last critical piece is, do they fit the culture? And if you have someone that can do the job and they'll go after it, but they don't fit your culture, at some point it will blow up in your face. It may be sooner, it may be later, but it, it will probably be at not a good time for you as the business owner. And so we, we, we hire using core values. We fire, we constantly reinforce core values, the things that we want to, uh, the culture that we want to create. Steve, I went from, I went from a completely toxic culture in my company, converted it to a touted award-winning culture. We last year uh, were recognized as one of the best places to work in North Texas for small businesses. So I went from completely toxic all the way over here with this leadership transformation. I completely rebuilt my company and I value culture almost more than anything right now. Look, seasons can go up and down. We can make money, we can lose money. But when, when my culture is there, it's like a finely tuned engine. And uh, so it's, it's reinforcing the way that you're, what you're gonna, that you're gonna act, attracting the right people, and um, of course, you know, we, we, we need to have fun at work, right? We, we need to have a fun factor, but there's this idea that having a great company culture means everybody's constantly laughing and not getting anything done. You can have a performance culture with accountability and people still love working there. Indeed. Thank you. Now we have an open loop, the one we opened with at the beginning of the show that we can't forget. We need to circle back to that uh, because I know if I was listening to this, I'd go, wait a minute, hold on, <laughs> what happened? What was going on um, with that? Uh, where, where were you? You were in... Um, oh, I was forget. in New Orleans. New Orleans, thank you. Right after Hurricane Katrina. And we had taken a team down from Dallas uh, to help rebuild, re, rebuild houses down there and help them. And while I'm down there, I get a call during the day from, from my in-house bookkeeper back in Dallas. And she said, uh, Hey Jason, um, this, you know, the paint bills do, and we don't have the money to pay it. I'm like, how can this be? How can this be? So we, we talked through it and uncovered what was going on. And so I'm laying there again, the walls are paper thin. I got four other guys down there with me. People are snoring in other rooms. There's no carpet. No, we, we, th there was this house that was flooded out. We were able to rent it. It still had the electric working. This is like November. Okay. It, it was cold, but the electric was working. The water was running and the hot water heater worked. And so we, we, we went to Home Depot, bought two by fours, built, built uh, uh, bed frames to get our blow up mattresses off the floor. Okay. So 
I'm laying there at this night after that call and I'm just laying there, Steve, I got my eyes are closed and I'm just, I'm like, God, what am I going to do? Should I file bankruptcy? We can't pay this bill. And I mean, so many other things were going so well in our company, but the, we were in a cash flow crisis. And um, I had a dream and God showed me what to do. I won't tell you all the details of the dream, but here's the outcome of it. God, God told me, he said, Jason, you're going to convert this business from a credit-based business to a cash-based business. And so I... The next day I woke up, I called my, I called my reps from my vendors and I said, Hey, we owe you, you know, X amount of dollars. It was a lot of money, tens of thousands of dollars. And I don't, I don't have the money to pay you, but I want to ask you if, if this would work, I do want to pay you, but I've got to stay in business to pay you. How about we take that money that I owe you and let's put it on a promissory note and I'll make you payments. You keep my account open and I will pay you every single day for our purchases going here forward. So he says, okay, let me talk to my bosses. I'll call you back. He called me back the next morning. He said, hey, Jason, we can do that. And before we hung up, he said, oh, by the way, I've got great news. Since you're going to be buying and paying for those things right away, you're going to get early pay discounts on your new purchases. Mm. So I had, uh, I had a, a few vendors I had to do that with. Now, the, the, how we got into that spot was because there were some things hidden from me that I wasn't seeing. Um, and there's this odd thing in QuickBooks where when you download transactions from the bank, you don't see them anywhere except in your online banking until you accept those and accept those into your registers. And so there was a, a lot of transactions that were stuck in there that she had not been dealing with. And so it gave me a false, uh, uh, my, the numbers I were looking, was looking at. Ultimately, it was my fault for not inspecting what I expected. This was my fault. So it took me about six, to, I don't remember, six to nine months. I literally went for three months without taking a paycheck. And after six to nine months, we paid off uh, all of, we had like three major vendors that we owed significant money to. We paid them off. And so we were still paying for stuff. They, they, they got sick of having us pay every day. So now we're just paying once a week. They got sick of us paying every day. And when we paid those off, I was now getting, uh, paying for my materials as I was using them. And I began to get favor from my vendors like never before. And it was, it was, it was transformational. I had better, I got, I got preferred pricing. I got incredible rebate programs, got early pay discounts. And so, uh, it was, it was really, it was really amazing. And so, but what, what was one of the darkest times in my business turned out one of, to be one of the biggest blessings in my business. Amen. That's awesome. That is so cool. Oh, now I'd be remiss if I didn't, uh, mention the uh, fact that you're also a jeeper. Yes. I, I Well, you know what? Right now, I, uh, it's hard to consider myself a jeeper because I haven't gotten my jeep dirty <laughs> in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I see you doing out. I have having all the fun all the, all the, out there and I haven't done that in a long time. So, but I absolutely, uh, absolutely love, love jeeps. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm an adrenaline enthusiast. And so I've got to get up there and feel like you know just about flip it over and then and i'm happy so uh but uh any anytime you feel like stretching his legs love to have you over 
and uh, we can go up to Winrock and hit some uh, hit some hit some fun trails. Do some. You climbing. know, I might take you up on that. That sounds like a whole lot of fun. Right on. Before, I really appreciate your time, Jason. Thank you so much. It's been an incredible story and very inspiring. I'm sure, no doubt in my mind, we're going to receive a ton of uh, feedback. Uh, so thank you for that. But before we roll out, is there a question I should have asked or any final points that you'd like to make? You know, on, honestly, Steve, if, if, if we would just understand that as, as small business owners, getting good at people skills, those soft skills, they're really the hard skills. Learning those is going to help us build a better team. And when we build teams, we've got more people to shoulder the load mm. and bring more excellence to every key component of our business. So mm. I would say become a student of, of leadership and of people skills, and that will take you a long way. Fantastic. Thank you. If somebody would like to follow up, what's the best way they could reach out to you? Uh, I'm online everywhere, but you, you can go to jasonwphillips.bio, bio, jasonwphillips.bio, and all my contact info is on there. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you again, Jason. My pleasure. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.